following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 868 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the irascible Brittany Page, everybody. Well, it's been a busy and full week for the show. We, oh, and... Shit's dropping. <laughs> Yikes. I'm not editing that out. I We're know. keeping that in. <laughs> It's kind of representative of how we feel right now because the wheels are getting ready to fall off. We are very tired. It has been a long week. We had the interview with Representative Jamal Bowman, which was great. We got a lot of positive feedback on that. We are so happy that everyone is enjoying that. We recorded another interview the next day. (laughs) Yeah, it's yet to come out. Yeah, and that will be coming out next week. And then we were on another show the same day we had that second interview, and we recorded that late at night, like 7 p.m., and I thought it was going to go for like an hour, and it was like two hours, yeah. and so we were like deliriously tired while recording this episode, but that that was a fun one, too, and we'll we'll post that once it, it comes out for everybody, but... We had a full week, and it was exciting. We didn't just have a full week. The country... Had a full fucking week. Yeah. Wow. Has it been quite a week for headlines? <laughs> Action packed. Yeah. I mean, if there, if I could clone myself, and if we could clone you, mm-hmm. imagine the coverage and the the work we could get done. <laughs> that would be that would be great. Unfortunately, from time to time, I need a little sleep. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, we got some feedback on our episode before the interview with Jamal Bowman, where we talked about my my germaphobe tendencies. Yeah, yeah. And we got now, some, shoes on, shoes off in the house thing. Yeah, and we got some mixed reviews. We got, of course, we did. We got some people who are pro shoes on, some people who are pro shoes off. Some people, I think, got confused about what we were talking about, and we got some messages where they were like, really? People don't wear their shoes outside? There's like a movement about this? (laughs) And it was strictly related to the being inside of a home. Yeah. So maybe we didn't clarify that well enough. It seems self-evident, the conversation. I (laughs) I don't know that we needed to really break it down that much okay well let's let's read a few messages that we got in response to that uh this one is from a patreon supporter bryant and bryant writes Brittany and jesse thank you so much for sharing your everything is connected theory it's not neurotic many of us have these same issues and find crowded public spaces sorry public places like airports concerts schools to be difficult environments to navigate your well thought out articulation using the piss shoes example (laughs) parenthetically this will now forever be how i describe it is something i plan on sharing with my loved ones so they better understand my quote-unquote issues parenthetically contamination ocd whether the topics are light-hearted or serious you two always come from a place of empathy and compassion please keep up the great work very kind we try well i'll speak for myself i try uh, being a human, this is going to the point of the empathy and, and compassion. I try. I fail a fucking lot, but, you know, I'm. it's a, the the ever the never-ending quest to be a better person tomorrow than I was today. So mm-hmm. thanks for the email. Yeah, glad the bathroom piss shoes example will be carried forward. Yeah, I think it's what did it for me is when you talk <laughs> about, because a lot of people are like, yeah, it's just a sidewalk. It's not going to, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about walking into a public bathroom, mm-hmm. holy, that, I mean, that really just cements it for me. Well, and let's also note that we talked about the number of smashed rats that we encounter on the sidewalk. There's currently a smashed rat. Right in front of our house. Directly in front of our home. Yeah. And it has become more smashed over time. It, it's no longer really <laughs> s- smashed and feels like uh, it's more 
a pancake like. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's like rat jerky now, laying in the street. It's it's becoming one with the pavement. It, at this point. it for sure. When it first had died there, yeah, it just looked like a little, a little, 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 a little rat nap. Doing a little rat nap. Yeah. And then you know the the entrails the, got ejected yeah, from the, the body. Bu- buses run over it, <laughs> and there's only one place for the guts to come out. Yeah. And they they squirted right out. Yeah, they did. Yikes! Glad I wasn't out there when that happened. Yeah. So thank you for that very kind message. We got another message from another Patreon supporter. Let me guess. Not in agreement. Well, yes, not in agreement. <laughs> and this one is from from Mandy. 15 minutes to talk about how germaphobe you are, question mark, LOL. I think people should be able to wear whatever they want on their feet when they are a guest in your house. Huh. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to be very careful about uh, invitations that we offer to come to the house. Yeah, and uh, I, I just—it's a weird. It's a weird. It's it's such a low bar. We're not going to rehash it, but it's just it's it's not a, a heavy lift mm-hmm. to just take your fucking shoes off. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean the th- the whole thing about a guest should be able to wear whatever they want on their feet in your house. Like, I don't know. Do we carry that forward? Like a guest should be able to do whatever they want inside of your home. Well, like, too? What if someone who, what if someone is, is, is someone who like sits with their legs crossed on the, on the furniture with their shoes on is, well, I do it at my house. I should be able to do it at your house. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, I just, it's not a, it's not a big ask. Hey, just, don't wear your bathroom piss shoes in the house. Well, and now I'm remembering we also got a voicemail from someone. I didn't get it, but um, they called and said we could be unknowingly forcing someone to reveal medical information about themselves. Oh, right. I remember that. And they didn't specify which medical diagnosis would require someone to wear their shoes in a house. I know. Listen, when I had colon cancer last year... Uh, we went to a party and they wanted me to take my shoes off. And I was like, whoa, 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 listen. How dare you want me to reveal my colon cancer diagnosis by taking off my shoes? Yeah, listen, I, I'm totally <laughs> open. I mean, I was bummed that the voicemail didn't include an example of, I mean, if, if you're going to say we could be potentially requiring yeah, what medical to do this. condition? Yeah, I, I was do you very mean, interested. Like, toe fungus or do you mean... What could be something that someone wouldn't want to reveal that we'd be forcing them to to out themselves about? Yeah, and my my godfather came out a few years ago to watch Popeye because Popeye was imminently going to die of cancer, and we didn't want to put him somewhere where he was going to be watched and then possibly die. We had to go. We had to go on a trip that we couldn't couldn't miss. And the when he came out. He was in the house, and he, I think, is a shoes-on-in-the-house person. And I had to tell him, like, that's not going to fly here. And he told me, I can't walk on this floor. It's not good for my back without shoes on. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you have a, you have a second pair of house shoes, so just wear that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, so it's not, listen, it's not no shoes in the house. It's no bathroom piss shoes. Yeah, so I don't know if the no caller... No contaminated shoes. I don't know if the caller was talking about that, like someone who maybe has back pain and kind of needs the extra support of wearing something on their feet because it's hard on the hardwood floor And they're or the worried about or... being outed for their back pain. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what it could be because I don't want to be a dick. I yeah. don't want to be someone who is doing that. And that's why I was so bummed listening to the voicemail because I'm like, well, here's your perfect opportunity to give me an example and change my mind. But there was no example. Yeah. So maybe we'll hear a follow-up. But we we do have another message here, and this is from Steve. And Jesse, this is specifically related to your experience being on a grand jury because mm. we know the the news has come out with Donald Trump here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. What what news specifically? Well, did something happen? The federal indictment. <laughs> yeah, the federal indictment where he's now facing 38 counts. Federal felony charges. Donald Trump. So Steve writes, Hi, just heard about the indictment of Trump. There will be a lot of talking heads throwing around the allegation that a prosecutor could indict a ham sandwich if they wish to. 
I've often heard you opine on your participation in the Avenatti grand jury. I thought maybe you could do a bit or comment on how this expression doesn't really reflect on how grand juries work. I understand that, yes, it's the prosecution that gets to exclusively make its case in order to get an indictment, but that case has to at least meet similar evidentiary burdens as the preponderance of evidence burden in a civil case. Many Trumpists will push that getting an indictment is practically a whitewash, and the ham sandwich analog is sure to raise its head ad infinitum on Fox, Newsmax, and other echo chambers. Can I just say I'm shocked that I'm reading this so well? Yeah, also, Steve's a fucking banger. <laughs> God damn, great email. It's funny how they don't raise that criticism when someone from an quote unquote inner city, quote, urban or a person with liberal sensibilities gets indicted, but hey ho, no one ever said Fox was fair and balanced. Oh what? Is is that their mantra? Who knew? Anyway, all that aside, an insight into the evidentiary burden for indictment might blunt some of the inevitable BS from MAGA and their sympathizers. Keep it up. The work that is, Steve. So, I would say that the grand jury system is slanted toward the prosecutor. I think that goes unsaid. That's not controversial. Because there's no defense um, that is in the room to offer a defense to the grand jury. There is no requisite requirement, um, statutory or otherwise, even culturally, if you will, to provide exculpatory evidence, you know, evidence that would that would um, lend itself to the defense. The, the prosecutor doesn't have to do any of this. But what they do have to do is convince uh, 16 people, usually a, a grand jury is like 23 and, you know, people are sick or whatever, but they need 16 votes to to indict so they you absolutely need some evidence to convince uh, a a group of individuals of varied backgrounds and um and, and experiences to vote to indict now on the grand jury i was on it wasn't the avenatti grand jury it was a grand jury in southern california in orange county that heard all the cases that came through that particular district mm-hmm Michael Avenatti happened to be one. There were several high-profile cases. A lot of um, drug, you know, meth trafficking. There was sex trafficking. There was child pornography. There was Michael Avenatti. There was just many, 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 many. That's just the most notable one that people will recognize. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I can tell you that there was no ham sandwich in the fucking room. I'm speaking, you know, jokily. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I saw all the bank records. I've seen all the evidence related to that particular investigation. That's that's not the Nike one that was in New York. This is the other one. Mm-hmm. And that motherfucker's guilty. Guilty. Now, on the other hand, there were cases where conspiracy charges were being leveled. And I didn't feel that it met the burden. I didn't feel like the people who were guilty of certainly other things because of the evidence that was presented... But they weren't guilty. I couldn't get the connection being made between this disparate satellite element of of different other criminals in the in the indictment or the proposed indictments. And so I would when they we would go to vote, which the prosecutor leaves, the stenographer leaves. It's just the grand jury, and you guys talk it out. We would talk. Well, sometimes it's just like yeah, fuck, it's vote mm-hmm. and it's guilty. Mm-hmm. Other times, usually at my behest, I'm like ah. We're gonna let's. I don't. This, I'm not convinced. Let me make a case here. You always need a Jesse D on the jury. <laughs> well, I can tell you when when they brought the case when when they brought in the room to to talk about or to bring Michael Avenatti. This was still like Trump headlines. It was huge headlines, yeah. and I remember uh, being very suspicious that this was a Trump predicated prosecution. Mm. And I was very suspicious and even asked questions of the prosecutor. I was kind of cross-examining the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when they brought the evidence and the bank records and the screenshots and the, all of the subpoenaed uh, stuff that we subpoenaed, it was, it was a fucking, he was dead to rights. It was mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. So, but, but there anyway. were situations where you, you didn't see the necessary evidence and the voting would illustrate that? Was, yes. Was that kind of yeah. the direction you were yeah. going? Yeah. And, 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 and surprisingly enough, I remember watching, especially the moments where I 
threw a monkey wrench into their plans relative to certain charges. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember love that. I mean, they're just <laughs> saboteur. Well, I, I well, they don't know who did. Yeah. I mean, I think they probably got an idea because I well, was the one always the skeptic asking questions. Well, and they walk in and you have a giant no, toothy no, grin no. on your face. Well, that's what I was going to say is... Your arms are crossed. I would, when they would come in and realize the vote didn't go exactly their way, Yeah, I never, and I was looking for it, I never saw registered disappointment. Huh. I always just saw professionals like, okay, this is the verdict. This is what the grand jury has done. They seem to respect the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually surprised by that because I have, you know, um, a healthy skeptical attitude toward law enforcement, toward prosecutors, toward toward the government. Yeah. And so I was surprised by that. Well, I appreciate Steve trying to get out in front of Republicans coming at this and trying to discredit the indictment. But listen... They aren't waiting for the evidence to be presented in a court of law. They don't care about that. They're already yeah. they're already working overtime trying to discredit this. It doesn't matter to them what the evidence is. It doesn't matter if we can come up with a reasonable explanation or try to use people's experience on a grand jury to show that the process is actually effective. They don't care about that. And we are going to show some examples later on on this show about how that is true. But before we do that, we want to... Sorry, Jesse, did you want to say anything else to Steve? No, no. Okay. I was was going to uh, transition transition us on to the next thing, and you you jumped right in there and got it done, so... Fucking great. Well, we want to take this time Less to... work for me, Brittany Page. Thank our Patreon supporters, yes! because we could not do this show without them. We could not have United States Congressman Jamal Bowman coming in studio for interviews. We could not have the for other sure. people that we have booked for interviews coming in to learn from them and amplify their, their expertise and their knowledge to the audience. I, I had an emotional week surrounding that particular thing too mm-hmm. uh and i was very grateful and thankful for the audience this week because you know we started this show nine years ago this coming march it'll be 10 years we've been doing this show and for the lion's share multiple episodes a week at a kitchen table yeah yeah we're 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 independent we're not funded by anybody other than the audience and now a, a few ads that are you know, sometimes it's more of a pain in the ass to get all that done than than the money that it's worth. I mean, it's seriously pennies. Yeah, if you want to know if we've done a withdrawal on that, the answer is no. Yeah, right. There's not even enough money in the hopper to make it uh, matter. Yeah. But I really do want to think, and then we'll get to the, the, the Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so fucking much. Because we started... There were periods of time where we were literally doing this show. Like, I remember when Ryan Bell first came on the show mm-hmm. before he was like a personal friend. And we were literally doing the show from a podcast table in the same room in which we slept at night. Yeah, he could have just gotten out of his chair and just laid over, in bed. Yeah, and laid in the bed. Also, we did not have uh, central air conditioning. So right. We had this very. <laughs> noisy window unit. No, it wasn't even. It wasn't. It was one of those standing. It, was, it looked like uh, Rosie from the Jetsons. That's yeah. what our our floor air conditioning unit looked like. Yeah, and so we would have to turn that on and blast it because it was very hot in the room, <laughs> even with it cranking. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been a crazy journey, and and we again, I mean I. I sometimes worry that because we thank the Patreon supporters in such a routine way that some of it gets lost or people think that we're just kind of going about the routine and like, oh, here they go. This is the part of the show where they thank the Patreon supporters and they say the same thing every time and it's not really meaningful, but it really is meaningful and it's never lost on us that we couldn't be doing this and that it's a gift and lucky. Yeah, we're very lucky and we appreciate it. And we hope that we're using our platform in a way that is giving something back and helping improve the society. Right, and honors in. and honors the contributions past and present and future. We hope we're doing right uh, by all of you. Right. So let's thank the Patreon supporters before we dance on Pat Robertson's grave. Yeah, say we'll that. get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We want to thank Doug S. Doug S. Elizabeth S. Elizabeth S. I swear, is there a coordination when this happens? This happens more often than not. Okay, Debbie B. Dub Debbie B. Karen J. Karen J. Tom B. Ah, uh, Tom B. Bruce A. R. Bruce A. R. Bruce Armalite. Tim F. Tim F. Matt G. B. Matt G. B. Is number one is Dave. Is number one what? Is number one Dave. Is number one Dave. <laughs> and Doug F. Doug F. And then we want to give a special shout out to Marsha M. J. Marsha M. J. Marsha increased the Patreon pledge. Thank you so much, Marsha. Thank you so much for that. So... Now we're going to pivot to some good news. Pat Robertson, dead at the age of 93, I believe he was 93. And this music that we just played has been for years. It is it is it is listed on the board as evil Pat Robertson uh uh Kamina Barana, or whatever the name of the actual song is. And I got some pushback. I tweeted that, you know, the world is a better place without him, that he was a sinister force of bigotry and hate in the world, and uh, the world's better without him. And I got, of course, some random, you know, trolls, or this is just somebody you disagree with? What a hateful thing to say. Mm, it is way more than yeah, someone you disagree with. Th- that's that, that seems to be the conservative line of thinking, that anything, well, you, you disagree with Matt Walsh? You disagree with, with uh, it's just a disagreement that you don't want to eradicate transgenderism. No, it's it wasn't just a, a healthy disagreement between the allies and the fucking Nazis. We're talking about the right of someone to exist, human beings, uh, his endangering of populations across the country, using his religion as a cudgel, as a weapon. It, it is unequivocal. I mean, it's not even a debate. A widespread damaging effect on yes. society. Yeah, yeah. And he's dead. Yeah, and listen, there may be people that loved Pat Robertson that are hurting right now, and I i mean, I... World's still a better place without him, whether they're sad or not. Yeah, and it's just kind of strange what we do when death happens. Like, we can't acknowledge the reality of someone's being, that because someone died, we need to, like, rewrite the history of their life, and we don't need to do that. I mean, yeah. everyone listening to this, you don't need to do that for people in your personal life. You don't need to do that for people like Pat Robertson. Like Pat Robertson was damaging for our society. Yeah. And we have a few like highlights that we're, yeah, <laughs> I, also- I don't know about calling it highlights, but <laughs> I, um, a few quotes that will help illustrate that, I guess. Let me also say this. It's not even just like, you know, that people want to say, oh, it's, people are complex and it's not as black and white. Some things are black and white. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a uh, a person who who was a scoundrel, but then you know did some good things. This is a person who amassed a fortune of hundreds of millions of dollars. He may have been very close to being a billionaire who did no good to the world, who enriched himself. Why, while trying to divide America and, and, and giving a biblical justification to hate, to, to revile, to demonize gays and women, single mothers, black people. He was a pernicious fucking force in America. There's never been a civilization ever in history that has embraced homosexuality and uh, uh, has survived. The Bible says, if any man will not work, let him not eat. Now, uh, that didn't say, if any man will not work, let him go to the soup kitchen and let the government pick up the tab. Something happened a long time ago in Haiti. They got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. (laughs) The people of color have to rise up and overtake their oppressors and then... Having gotten the whip handle, if I can use that term, then to instruct their white neighbors 
how to behave. Now that's critical race theory. What is this mac and cheese? Is that a black thing? It is a black thing, Pat. Well, you could become a Muslim, then you could beat her. <laughs> but in lieu of that. <laughs> you don't want to go to Saudi Arabia? No, no. I'm talking about the cheating. He cheated on you. Well, he's a man. Okay. There are a bunch of people who are just bums. And if these people are out drugging themselves, let them starve to death. You've got a couple of uh, same-sex guys kissing. You like that. Well, that makes me want to throw up. America, if you want to bring the judgment of God on this nation, you just keep this stuff up. Let them starve to death. You know, that's a direct quote from Jesus the Christ. Let them starve to death. Yeah, you know what? I reconsider. It's actually, what a sad day for America and the world that Pat Robertson is no longer here. So we <laughs> we have a couple of more clips because, again, there there is some controversy about how you're supposed to be talking about this death. And we think it's pretty clear. Not in this room, there's not. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and so... There, there were a few items in there where you, you didn't get the full context. And here, here's one where someone is, is writing Pat Robertson saying that their wife has Alzheimer's and they are basically wondering if it is ethical to leave that relationship or how, how they should approach this. Because people would write Pat Robertson and ask for advice. Yeah. That's what a lot of those clips were, is him responding to letters that people would write him asking for help. It was a question on the 700 Club, Pat Robertson's talk show. A woman looking for moral guidance asking about a friend whose wife has Alzheimer's. He says that he should be allowed to see other people because his wife, as he knows her, is gone. Robertson, an ordained Baptist minister for 50 years, responded. I, I know it sounds cruel, but he's, he, if he's going to do something, he should divorce her and start all over again. But, uh, you know, to make sure she has custodial care, and if he says, in a sense, she is gone, he's right. It's like, it's like a walking death. I mean, there's some controversy, right, about how you could approach that. Of course. But he's very callous about it. He's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, just, you know, divorce her and start over. Oh, uh, <laughs> tell death do us part? Nah, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, if you watch a religious marriage ceremony, there's a lot of symbolism about eternity and that no man shall tear asunder the bonds of marriage and the 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 infinite the the, the what the, the the wedding ring represents and just and he's like, eh, yeah, leave that bitch. Yeah. I want to note quickly that Sweepy is fully accustomed to living here because you are yelling and she's completely passed out. <laughs> Zero response. Okay, so this is probably one of the clips uh, this, that we would reference yeah. the most. We've been talking, like you said, about Pat Robertson since the beginning of this show, and this clip is is several years old, but there there was a time where he he alleged that gay people were walking around with some sort of ring like a barb on a ring mm -hmm. and not just gay people gay people specifically who have hiv or aids mm -hmm. who would then shake someone's hand cut them uh -huh. and as he puts it give them the stuff you know I what mean, they do in uh, San Francisco, some of the gay community, they, they want to get people, so if they've got the stuff, they'll have a ring, you shake hands, and the ring's got a little thing where you cut your finger. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, it's that kind of vicious stuff, which would be the equivalent of murder. Really? Where is that woman? Where is that woman who was complicit in all of this? Hopefully, he was contractually obligated to bury her with Pat Robertson. All right. Well, maybe we need a disclaimer for some of the things that you're going to say that nah. are not. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. They give him the stuff. Really? <laughs> yep, that's what they do. I am an expert in all things gay in San Francisco. Well, Pat Robertson. You know what else Pat Robertson was an expert in? Predictions. And oh, he made okay. he made a lot of predictions over his his lifetime. I, I, I would be I think we would be very it would be challenging to find a prediction that actually 
uh, didn't come true. He was a prognosticator, Brittany Page. He was. You know, I'm an old guy. I'm 91 years old. I'm tired. And, and God just, I just feel the spirit of God coming. I, I think he's going to give me another 29 years. That's what I'm planning on. I, I want to, Moses hit 120. I thought I could be that way. Oh, not accurate. So you're saying there's no chance. (laughs) So goodbye, Pat Robertson. Goodbye to your terrible advice, your constant attacks on gay people and women and people of color and poor people and people who don't have food. Uh, Take your pick. Uh, I actually, this just in from the lady, his co-host. She's not a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So goodbye. And we will look forward to never having to talk to, talk about, or hear from you again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we continue to talk about the efforts to ban books from conservative parents across the country, targeting books about black people, targeting books about history, the black history, which is American history, uh, targeting the LGBTQ community, books about that community. I I did a video last week about this particular topic, uh, which is a group of individuals or a, a set of parents have seen what's going on across the country and they petitioned to have the Bible removed because of for the same same list of reasons that conservatives are having other books banned to have the Bible banned from schools in this particular uh, school district in Utah it was it was banned not for high school but for elementary and middle school. And now there's backlash, as you would expect, from those same conservative parents who want other books banned, but not their Bible. Inside Utah State Capitol, the latest clash over banned books after a school district took aim at the best-selling book of all time, the Bible. Is there evidence that the Bible does not have serious With the holy book in one hand and signs in the other, frustrated parents calling out the recent decision by Davis School District that voted to remove the King James Version of the Bible from elementary and middle school libraries. The move coming after a complaint was filed with the district in December when the district received an anonymous grievance that said the school district was ignoring, quote, one of the most sex-ridden books around the Bible, adding that this edition of the Bible, quote, has no serious values for minors because it's pornographic by our new definition. Get this porn out of our schools. A response of sorts to Utah's controversial sensitive materials law, which bans, quote, pornographic or indecent materials. Bans have included perks of being a wallflower, Handmaid's Tale, and Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. But the law now being applied to the religious text, something the legislator's author says is going too far. Yes, the Bible is best taught at home. That does not mean that the Bible should be, could be, must be removed from schools. That's a that's a leap of logic that some have, have uh, inappropriately made. The district's review board said the Bible was not considered pornographic in nature and did not violate the law. However, they said it was inappropriate for younger readers due to, quote, vulgarity or violence. But it would still be available in high school libraries, along with other translations of the book. I just thought it was retribution. Some parents now pushing back against the Bible ban, including Utah Parents United, a group that has called for restrictions to books in schools. They would set precedents that things that were very... Um, discreet mentions of like sexual um sexually explicit or sexual content would really lower the bar and so many other books would be removed similar challenges to the bible have been seen in states that have their own book ban legislation like texas and florida in utah school officials have created a form that allows parents in the district to submit review recommendations and just last week another controversial submission this time the book of mormon 
A review committee now going through the text and their decision pending. So I love the guy in this clip who who is against the Bible being banned, but likely is for other books being banned. Yeah. And he's making the same argument that that liberals have been making, which is just because it's better to teach this at home doesn't then mean that you can't have it at school. Yeah. So that's yeah. what he said about the Bible. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's what everyone is saying about every other book. It's the, a taste of their own medicine that they cannot stand. The arguments that liberals make against banning books, they're now using the exact same arguments against their particular books that they don't want banned that also contain, uh, when given no context, you know, uh, infanticide, incest relationships. It's yeah. It just I, I mean, I can't laugh hard enough. It, it's just too. It's too much. Well, and if they get what they want, the only books that are going to be available are like the Hungry Caterpillar in high school. I mean, uh, we could find some way. We could find some way to get rid of that. <laughs> Gluttony. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we will. Uh, see how how the book banning continues to go but but we're going to put that on hold for now because it's finally the time (laughs) it is finally time to discuss the indictment that came down and jesse you did a video about the the pending indictment this was before it came out and you got some pushback because people accused you of doing clickbait and there's a lot of there's a lot of resistance in your audience to believe that it is possible for bad things to happen to Donald Trump. Yeah. And I understand why, because he's lived his entire life doing bad dog shit and getting zero <laughs> consequences. It is bizarre that you could go 76 years or however old he is committing crime after crime after crime after crime after crime after crime, after crime with zero consequences until now. Mm-hmm. So we now know because of the indictment uh, by the special counsel, that Trump is facing a charge under the Espionage Act. Yes. He is facing charges of obstruction of justice, destruction or falsification of records, conspiracy, and false statements. All of this related to his handling of the classified information. His mishandling of. And let me say, I mean, that's just a a, a friendly jostle, mm-hmm. Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, he's facing a maximum of decades in prison. Mm-hmm. Federal prison. Yeah. And part of his problem here <laughs> is that he has tried to say that he can declassify it with his mind. and that, That's actually something he said. Actually, you, you could just think about it. You can, with your mind declassify when you're president of the United States. Yeah, but unfortunately there's there's now like he's on tape admitting that that is not the case. Last week, CNN exclusively reported that prosecutors had an audio recording of Trump admitting he kept a classified Pentagon document about a potential attack on Iran. Well, now, and this is what is new, we are learning exactly what former President Trump said during that private meeting in 2021. Now, according to a transcript of that recording, Trump acknowledged he hadn't declassified the document and they didn't have the power to do so. He told people in the room, quote, as president, I could have declassified, but now I can't. We'll note that goes completely against what the former president has been saying publicly. Do you still have any classified documents in your possession? Are you ready? Do you? No, no, I don't have anything. I have no classified documents. And by the way, they become automatically declassified <laughs> when I took them. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it, because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. When you send it, it's declassified. We, I declassified everything. Well, CNN's Paula Reed broke this story. Paula Reed joins us now. Paula, it's big, big developments. Walk us through the transcript. 
Hey, well, good morning, Phil. Uh, this exclusive, of course, building on our bombshell report last week with Caitlin Collins and Caitlin Polans about this recording where the former president not only claims to have retained classified information, but also acknowledges the limits of his power to do so. And now we have the transcript of the relevant portion. And I'll read some parts of that, but it's clear he acknowledges or claims that he kept secret information. Now, in this recording, this was back in July 2021. He is speaking to some visitors at his New Jersey golf club. We know from our sources that among the people in the room were at least two people working on Mark Meadows' autobiography, as well as some Trump aides. He is referring here to General Mark Milley. He says, quote, well, with Milley, uh, let me see that. I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't that amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. On the tape, we're told that you can hear him rustling the papers at this point. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. I'll keep reading, but you can tell at least four times. You know, he emphasizes that this was Millie. He goes on to say all sorts of stuff. Pages long. Look, wait a minute. Let's see here. I just found, isn't this amazing? This totally wins my case. And I want to note here, he his case he's referring to here is this dispute with Millie, not the current pending criminal investigation. Except it is like highly confidential, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. I will note that secret and confidential are both, of course, levels of classification. And then arguably the most damning quote, he says, he asks if he, someone in the room, if he can declassify it. And then he says, as president, I could have declassified, but now I can't. And of course, that last quote undercutting all of the public arguments that he, his allies and his attorneys have made about how he was able to declassify things once he left office or that he may have even had a standing declassification order to declassify any materials in his possession before he left office. But in terms of invest the investigation, prosecutors are likely going to be most interested in the fact that he is claiming to have retained uh, secret information and is appearing to try to share that with a room full of people, none of whom had security clearances. So again, this is a really key piece of evidence in this ongoing investigation. So I I love this bit of reporting because what we're learning about Donald Trump is that his personal inability to uh, regulate his emotions, (laughs) including anger and hatred of people around him, like Millie, led him to try to show off. He wants to settle a score Mm -hmm. and stepped on his own dick in the process. Yeah. And this came out before the indictment was unsealed. But now that the indictment has been unsealed, we're learning a lot. And I would definitely recommend that you go read the indictment if you are at all interested in this. Send it to people who love Donald Trump in your life. It's 49 pages. I'm not a fast reader, and I got through it pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's there's a whole bunch of amazing, holy shit moments in it. Yeah, there's photos of the boxes containing classified information being stored in the Mar-a-Lago bathrooms bedrooms yeah a ballroom stage yeah, like in not the shower secu- not secure just out in the open for anybody and they've had, they've had infiltrators chinese spies connected to the, the 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 government there who have been caught infiltrating mar-a-lago i mean it's it's an if there's an insecure area unsecure area <laughs> it's mar-a-lago Yeah, I want to read a portion from the indictment quickly. Well, we'll see how quickly it is. On March 30th, 2022, the FBI opened a criminal investigation into the unlawful retention of classified documents at the Mar-a-Lago Club. A federal grand jury investigation began the next month. The grand jury issued a subpoena requiring Trump to turn over all documents with classification markings. Trump endeavored to obstruct the FBI and grand jury investigations and conceal his continued retention of classified documents by, among other things, A, suggesting that his attorney falsely represent to the FBI and grand jury that Trump did not have documents called for by the grand jury subpoena. Yeah. Okay, so his immediate thing is, let's lie. Yeah. Which is kind of what we expect from Donald Trump. Of course. When he's in trouble is, why don't we just lie about this? And that's been verified through testimony of his former lawyer because the the privilege that you have, the attorney-client privilege is pierced when... 
the lawyer is involved in a crime as well. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, oh, no, that's a ter- ter- attorney-client privilege. So they subpoenaed the lawyer who testified to all of this. It, it, this is credible. Mm-hmm. B, directing defendant Waltine Nada. Now, this is one of Trump's aides that his, has also been indicted. His body man. And we're going we're gonna to play a separate clip on that in a minute. But directing defendant Waltine Nada to move boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump's attorney, the FBI, and the grand jury. So when Trump's attorney was not like, oh yeah, let's just lie to the FBI. Or destroy documents even. Yeah, Trump's like, oh shit, I need someone else since my attorney isn't willing to work with me here. (laughs) So let's get this guy and get him to take care of the problem. And now he has been indicted as well. Walt Nada is his name. And in the indictment, there's actually a text exchange between Walt Nada, specifically about these boxes and where they're going to be moved, between him and a Trump family member who has not been identified, although he he says she or her... Or ma'am, I think he says. Ma'am, yeah. yeah, to indicate that he is likely speaking to a woman in the Trump family. Yeah. So, C... This is Trump again, suggesting that his attorney hide or destroy documents called for by the grand jury subpoena. So he's like, let's lie. Let's just lie and say we don't have them. Oh, let's just have this guy move them. Let's move them away and hide them from everyone. (laughs) Okay, is that a bad idea? Then let's just destroy them. Let's just get rid of them and act like this never even happened. This illustrates so much about Donald Trump's approach to corruption and lawlessness. He has gone his entire life engaging in corruption, self-dealing, and lawlessness. And this is how he's been able to avoid consequences. Lying, getting someone who works for him to cover it up, who's willing to be complicit, and destroying evidence and just moving along like it never even happened. Finally, he's encountered the the federal government, (laughs) who is not messing around, and is finally, this is the closest we're going to get, likely, to him being held accountable for his behavior. I mean, right now, I think that the, the, the case of the election interference, which, by the way, is a completely separate investigation under the office of the of the special counsel. We're also going to get somewhere there. If if this is the tenacity that they're bringing to the job uh, with this indictment, which was a speaking indictment, meaning it laid out the case like in a narrative. Holy shit! Just fucking wait. My prediction is we're going to see something real heavy related to the insurrection and the attempt uh, to interfere in the 2020 election. Yeah, but. You know who Donald Trump should have listened to? Who's that? He should have listened to 2016 Donald Trump. In my administration, I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. No one will be above the law. <laughs> oh. No one will be above the law. Of, cl- of course, it's always the exception being himself. Yeah, listen, the right wing right now, Fox News, Newsmax, they exist in their own fucking bizarro reality. And it is tears, buckets of tears are being shed. All kinds of bizarre excuses are being made. They are inconsolable right now because they just don't know how to navigate these waters yeah and this was clear on various fox news anchors reactions and i don't have an exhaustive set of clips here but there was a notable exchange on fox and friends between steve ducey Ainsley Earhart and what about the majority I'm tired of protecting the minority and Brian Kilmeade and Steve Ducey actually seems to be the most reasonable of of the three on the couch where Ainsley Earhart and Brian Kilmeade are already before the indictment is even unsealed they are ready to defend Donald Trump and Steve Ducey's trying to explain like basic concepts to them and they are really struggling (laughs) with it Jonathan Turley was on our air last night, and he, keep in mind, it's a seven-count indictment. We don't know exactly what the charges are. But uh, Jonathan Turley said, had, uh, posed the question, will... By the way, it is. this is before we knew what was in the indictment. It's not a seven-count indictment. It's a 38-count indictment right. surrounding seven particular elements uh, of, of crimes. Yes. 
they charge him with uh, possession of classified documents? Because if they do, it would be hard not to judge, judge and charge Joe Biden. But if they don't charge him on that case, the case will be about obstruction, which you face 75 years in prison. And it involves a conspiracy, which obviously a conspiracy is between at least two people. And they've had months and we've been reading things that perhaps a number so, of the people close to him have flipped and have told the story about what actually so happened. So what's the difference in those charges? The one's violation of the, the Espionage Act. That's we, having We don't know exactly what any of the charges are. Okay. So it, it's well, just Jim speculation. So what would be no, no. obstruction of justice for having them and being... Cover up. Okay. Keep in mind, with Watergate, there was an original crime, but then it wasn't the crime, it was the cover up and that is what ended the presidency. So we, if they charge... Biden, which you know they won't. But let's say they did. We've got charges for Biden, charges for Trump. They're both going to be on the campaign trail right. and in the courtroom. It's well, you know, adult. yesterday we had Chris Christie on, and he said this was completely self-inflicted because the government asked him to voluntarily turn the documents over to the National Archives for over a year and a quarter. And he didn't turn them all over. So they wound up with a search warrant. They found more, uh, you know, and ultimately, if they you, raided. you knowingly they kept raided. things, uh, that is bad for him. Apparently, during the investigation, the, the federal government discovered that boxes were with papers were moved out of the mail storage room after the subpoena and then moved back into the storage room uh -huh. the day before the feds actually went in and so it looks like they were trying to keep the secrets from the government well, that that's, that's according to all the leaks of, that, the, of jack what, smith's what, investigation we, and we don't know where and, they at least we came from brian but yeah. it, it's it's a significant well, well, charge why do we believe it well, i believe it right. until well, well, I, well we don't know where they came from we, <laughs> god damn they it's crazy. I, I think that they were like, let's cut to commercial because they got into a fist fight. Like, <laughs> I mean, in what world is Steve Ducey being reasonable, right? He's trying to explain to them, listen, you keep trotting out this, well, Biden should be charged if Trump's going to be charged when it is a completely different situation. Yes, it's not great that Biden also had classified documents at his, what, his residence, right. but Donald Trump tried to hide, tried to lie, talked about destroying, was moving right. them around, trying to actively hide them. Why is he doing that? We still don't know. Unlawful retention is one of the charges here. So it's, he kept them, they asked for them, he said he gave them back, he didn't, he's unlawfully retaining, and let me, let me really nail down this point, we're talking about information, military intelligence, plans for attack on, on enemies that are so fucking sensitive, nuclear capabilities of, of foreign uh, nations, things that are so sensitive, they cannot be generally described in the news. We're talking about code word, SCI, enormously important and dangerous, and this is, and very well did, damage the national security of the country. Mm-hmm. It's it's nutty as fuck that Republicans and conservatives on, on in the media are bending over backwards to defend Donald Trump and try to compare the case of whether it be Hillary Clinton, whether it be Mike Pence, whether it be Joe Biden. None of what they did, while, by the way, I think is shitty and terrible and irresponsible and stupid as fuck, none of it rises to the level even nearing the level of what Donald Trump did. Right, absolutely. And it's it that's just factual. <laughs> that's not a yeah. bias toward Biden. That's just the facts. No, listen, if Biden committed a crime, if if, if the Republicans have some dirt on Joe Biden relative to this it's self-dealing and 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 profiting and decisions for money, he should go to fucking jail. Mhm. Mm I firmly believe that. I, I'm no defender of Joe Biden. Yeah. Fucking put him in jail. Also, in yeah, people have been like trotting out Hillary Clinton. I think she tweeted like a picture of yeah, her. Yeah, go the, away, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I don't care. I don't, you know, yeah. and, and so, but but in that case, I believe it was a Republican FBI director who found that there was no legal basis to recommend that Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted. It was Comey. For, so, yeah. They want to talk about that "quote unquote" corruption, but that was a Republican yeah. FBI director. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we're going to continue to see them be unable to accept the fact that Donald yeah. Trump is 
a bad guy who's doing bad dog shit. And we're just we're we just need gonna, that for a clip. We're going to continue to see that. But like we said, Trump's aide also got indicted in this case, Walt Nada and and that that is a significant move as well. That's right, John. Uh, Walt Nada has been a, a figure, certainly, that has been central to this investigation. Prosecutors uh, have allegedly been uh, been trying to pressure him, uh, according to some of the uh, uh, lawyers in the in the Trump orbit. They've been pressuring him to try to flip, to try to uh, turn against uh, the former president. Uh, they say that he never did that. Uh, in recent days, uh, Walt Nada was actually seen at Bedminster uh, alongside the former president among a, a, a group of aides who, are, who have been there with him as he was waiting to hear whether Jack Smith was going to indict him. And now uh, he's now facing charges. We do not know specifics of, of the charges that Nada faced, but here's the deal. He was, big, he was his involvement here looms very large for the former president. Uh, he is one of the people who uh, allegedly was handling some of these documents, uh, moved some of the boxes, allegedly, uh, from the storage room. Again, this this is part of what uh, Jack Smith and his investigative team have been looking at for months. Uh, this is somebody who was very close to the former president, uh, you know, began his job as a valet in, in, uh, in, in the White House, you know, the guy who brought him his Diet Cokes, for instance, right? Uh, and then moved down to Mar-a-Lago when the former president uh, uh, left office, and he has been by his side, again, uh, somebody who witnessed a lot of the things that went on down there, and certainly uh, was somebody that the Justice Department was keen to try to to talk to and try to get information from. At this point, he's facing charges alongside his former boss. We we don't know the nature or, of the I guess charges. His current boss, right? His current boss, right? Don't know the nature of the charges, but you right. could imagine them falling within the realm of what obstruction and/or mishandling of national security documents. One might imagine it would be in that space. Yes, that's Evan Perez. Uh, so this Walt Nada was an active duty Navy valet assigned so his job isn't valet but he's assigned to the white house to be the president's valet and that's not a dig that's you know he's just given a a, a, a kind of a recap of what the duties of a valet are it's it's like a a caddy in real life you just follow them around and what they whatever they need hey bring me the ibuprofen bring me my diet coke with my button i mean it's just kind of a a body band Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so uh, do things don't look good for Donald Trump. I know that there is a lot of discussion about whether or not he will receive consequences, whether or not this will be the thing. He's getting ready to turn 77. His yeah. birthday's in a few days. He A lot of whining about, he's going to die in prison. Okay. <laughs> From conservatives, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, what do you think about that? Is he going to face the consequences that he should have faced a long time ago yeah i mean my only concern and it's minor is the fact that this eileen cannon has has drawn the case in in florida and people are really a lot of hand-wringing and i i have a lot of questions about why they 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 chose the palm beach um jurisdiction uh, uh, within the federal courts in in, in florida um but I, I'm going to wait and see. Look, I, I think that Jack Smith, the, these people aren't morons. They're not new. They they know what's going on. They clearly have a plan. And uh, they knew that the eventuality of her being drawn, it's like a one in three or one in four chance that she would be the judge on it. I'm just going to, I'm going to suspend my doubts and uh, give them a little bit of latitude, a little bit of leeway relative to the fact that they fucking know more than I do. And I think everybody else should do the same. Uh, also, the, the that's a jurisdictional thing. That's a venue issue. With this next uh, upcoming set of indictments relative to overturning the election and the insurrection and election interference, uh, that'll be in D.C. So this isn't the, it's, it's not a one shot deal. There's all kinds of other investigations that are coming to fruition, and not even in the federal government. We've got Fonnie Willis in in Georgia. And we also have the the Alvin Bragg case in uh, New York. So let's hold on. We'll see what's going on over the course of the next few months. It's going to come a lot clearer what's 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 happening. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. 
Steve Malloy. Steve, I don't know who that is. Steve Malloy <laughs> is a lawyer and Fox News commentator. He's the former member of the Trump EPA transition team. Oh, uh, I do know who this is. He was on with Laura Ingram this week because we had the smoke from the wildfires that was pouring down on the East Coast, including here in D.C., where we had to wear masks going outside, I believe it was two days ago. It was choking smoke in here in D.C., and we didn't get it. We only got a fraction of what was going on in New York City. It was apocalyptic from the photos and the videos that I saw. Absolutely. But not according to Steve Malloy, who, again, is not a scientist. He's, He's a, a fucking lawyer. A lawyer and a yeah. lobbyist. And he had some he had some thoughts on how, listen, it's not that big of a deal, you guys. Look, the air is ugly. It's unpleasant to breathe. And for a lot of people, they get uh, anxiety over it. But the reality is there's no health risk. Okay, there's uh, EPA research. They've done lots of clinical research on uh, asthmatics, on elderly asthmatics, on children, on elderly with heart disease. Um, not a cough or a wheeze from any of them. We have this kind of air in India and China all the time. Um, no public health emergency. Speaking of, do you, do you notice like in all the coverage of, you know, Bill Ware, the tailpipes, all this they never, ever mentioned the fact at the top that China is the number one polluter in the world. Never. Yeah, this is like clean air in China. I mean, it's really bad. Uh, you know, they, in the winter, they Jeez. never turn on their scrubbers for the air pollution because they don't care. Weir has no idea what he's talking about. This doesn't kill anybody. This doesn't make anybody cough. This is not a health event. This has got nothing to do with climate. First off, these, this is wildfire smoke. This is natural. This is not because of climate it's change. Natural. It's not Amazing. because of a fossil fuel, you know, uh, internal combustion busting engines. He just has no idea what he's talking about. Um, all day, by the way, it seemed like the media figures that we've become accustomed to seeing on television during these crises, they seemed like they were back in their element and, and kind of um, almost enjoying the moment of wearing masks, masks again, <laughs> didn't they? They seemed to have a little pep in their step with those masks. Now, they talked about the dangers of something called particulate matter yeah. from the smoke. Here's CNN earlier. Consider wearing a mask, and that is because of the particulate matter in the air. This is among the tiniest, most dangerous kind of pollutants, and it's the kind of thing found in this wildfire smoke. These are these particular these particles are so small they can get into the lungs when you breathe them in, get into the bloodstream, and cause all kinds of health issues. Steve, we're back at the masks. <laughs> Ramin Asqui is watching from heaven, by the way. Ramin, I know you are. Go ahead. Yeah, this is crazy. This is all particulate matter, but particulate matter was not a concern until EPA invented it as one in the 1990s, and they've been writing it. You know, the Obama administration, now the Biden administration. Well, what is it's it? Total, is total, it a total. health concern? Part, no, particulate matter is very fine soot. Um, the, well, you don't want just, to be breathing that just, in all day. They're just carbon particles. They're innocuous. Okay, by them, they're innocuous. There's nothing in them. Uh, they have no effect. The EPA has all this testing on real live human beings. It shows no effect. This is total junk science. Laura Ingram, a temporary moment of sanity. Like, well, that can't be good. I, I remember listening to this, and when he says, "Listen, it's wildfire smoke. It's natural." I'm thinking, yeah, right. tobacco. It's a plant. It's natural. Right. Um, and then I saw he called out Bill Weir specifically. Yeah, yeah. CNN, the climate change. Uh, Reporter, that's what his specialty is. Yeah, a great reporter who yeah. works for CNN. And he retweeted this video and said, this guy trashing me is Steve Malloy, who spent the 90s trying to convince the public that cigarette smoking has no effect on lungs before running strategy for a big coal company and joining the OG science denial gang at Heartland Institute. And he seems super nice. So it he, is. He apparently worked for uh, tobacco companies. Yeah, the worst. The worst of the worst, this guy. Yeah, so why would we believe anything that he says? It is remarkable to me that this message resonates with concern. Like, they want to believe it so fucking bad that they'll just suspend logic and reason. Mm -hmm. It Arsenic is a natural occurring element as well. If you eat, like, a, a, a gallon bucket of, of apple seeds, you could get arsenic poisoning. Just because it's natural, you dumb fuck doesn't make it harmless cocaine <laughs> is a derivative of of a plant try breathing in all the cocaine you can steve malloy you fucking jackhole well i love he runs some sort of blog about junk science again he's not a scientist right. he's a lawyer and a lobbyist and he was talking about how um the particulate matter isn't a problem up until the epa invented it in whatever time period he said it's like oh because science 
was updated. Right. Like research was updated. Right. They learned more information and then updated their standards. Like he runs a blog about junk science and then is criticizing the way that science works. And also he referenced India. He said, we have this kind of air in India and there's no public health emergency. There's an article in the India Times that describes that they are losing 9.7 years of life due to pollution in right. India. So what... What are you saying? Imagine being someone who lived in the the early 1800s. I don't know exactly when we discovered when a virus was. But like, oh, oh, this fake thing? They just discovered viruses? Oh, come on. Come on. (laughs) What? What a fucking idiot. Yeah. And I mean, they're telling this to their elderly viewers. And I guess they don't care about the health of their elderly viewers. But we already knew that because they were COVID deniers and they criticize masks. Still, they're criticizing masks. You wear a well-fitting mask. That's the important thing. You wear a well-fitting mask and that can uh, decrease the spread of diseases and it can also help you from inhaling wildfire smoke. It's also not a a panacea. It just reduces the chances. It's it's just a help. Fucking, ugh. Anyway, we're going to move on. The whole power structure's coming down. Number one show in the world right now. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Uh, we would invite you to help support the show. We are a list- largely, the vast majority of the support we get for the show, the funding we get for the show is from you. If you're listening and you enjoy what we do, if you, we bring you value, please consider $2 a month, $5 a month, any amount. Every bit goes a long way. Go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and help support the work we do there. We love and appreciate you guys so goddamn much. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.